Well, good morning, everyone. Praise God. Um, are you excited? Some of you are. Some of you are. I'm, I'm excited, and I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. I'm excited because uh, God's promise to be in control, right? And so no matter what happens in the midst of this process, no matter what happens in, in the midst of this community, God's promised to build his church, and we get the opportunity to walk alongside as God does what he does best, and that's um, make sure he reminds us that uh, our plans don't always work and often fail, and his plans reign supreme. And so uh, I'm excited because I get to be just a piece in that puzzle, no matter what God does, and I'm even more excited because uh, as I'm thinking back over the history of where I've grown up and where I've come to be standing here today, and have the opportunity to open God's Word and share it with you all, uh, I'm looking back at a heritage within this community that raised me to be who I am today. And so just a little background on me, for those of you who I haven't had the chance to talk to, I actually grew up in this area. Uh, many of you have probably met or at least have seen uh, my family interact here, Bob and Valena and Kyle and Ryan's been involved and uh, I actually grew up going to Czech Row Community Church outside of Bushnell. That's where I was raised. That's the church that I was discipled in. And uh, many of you probably recognize uh, the name Al Summers, the pastor there. He was my personal mentor and the one who really poured into me and developed me and developed, helped to develop my heart uh, for ministry and my passion for the Word of God. And so to be back in this area and to be back here is just exciting. It's exciting. And uh, my wife, Haley, and I, we've been married for six years. And for some of you, you're going, yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing. And we're well aware of that. We're learning a lot. We've been blessed with three wonderful children. We've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-month-old. Yes, we are busy. It is a, a busy time in our lives, but a joyous one. They keep us entertained and on our toes most of the time. Uh, but it's just a joy to be with you and to be surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ and have the opportunity to do uh, really what I love doing most, and that's opening God's Word and asking the question, why should I care what this book has to say? As a follower of Jesus, why should I care? And so uh, we're going to open, if you would take your Bibles and open up to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, that's where we're going to sit. We're going to be in just a couple verses of Hebrews chapter 12 today. And I'm going to be reading and uh, speaking out of the ESV version, but it's really it, it should match with your Bibles that you have in front of you or the ones you have. This is uh, God's word is consistent in what it says, and um, so we can hold true to the fact that uh, we have accurate translations in front of us, and we can uh, seek God's will in the midst of this. And as I was preparing this week, I came across a news article from August of 2009. And it was an article about a, a towing company, Adams Towing Service, who received some really bad press in this month. One of their trucks was pictured in the newspapers all across the country. It was damaged and partially submerged in a backyard swimming pool with another vehicle in tow. Law enforcement officials outside of Buffalo, New York, said the 25-year-old driver was texting on one cell phone while talking on another when the crash occurred. 
Nicholas Sparks hit a car, crashed through a residential fence, sideswiped the house, and then came to stop when his tow truck rolled into the pool. Coincidentally, Stanford University released their research on multitasking during the same month. Their findings, which were published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, restated the obvious. Professor Clifford Nass noted that the prevailing thought is multitaskers are skilled geniuses. Instead, he concluded, they're lousy at what they're doing much of the time. Take it from Adam's towing, there's something to be said for a singular focus. Now, whether we get distracted by trying to do too many things at once, or our focus is simply not on what it should be, There is validity in our subject question for the morning. Where are your eyes fixed? And something you'll find about me and what I love to do in my preaching is it can get really boring sometimes for you to sit there and watch a guy like me stand up here and talk to you for 30 minutes. So what I like to do sometimes is I have interaction. Some of you are already panicking in your seats. And so, with this subject question, one of the ways we're going to reinforce that idea in your mind today is I just want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them the question, where are your eyes fixed? So right now, just turn to your neighbor and ask them, where are your eyes fixed? Okay? Now, this can, this could be something, you gotta be careful how you do this, because this can end up being really creepy too. You don't, It's not meant to be that, but more that we're in this together and we need to ask this subject question today together. It's something we all need to think about and think about where is my focus at? Where are my eyes fixed? What do you spend the most time meditating or dwelling on? For many of us, we could identify the week-to-week things that draw our attention and our gaze away. Maybe it's financial crisis you're in. Maybe it's an unhealthy or hurtful relationship that you've encountered. Maybe it's aging or declining health that has your focus and attention right now. And so this morning, as we open up the Word of God, my prayer is that we will discover and be challenged with the truth of where our eyes should be truly fixed. That we would see clearly... That in order to run the race of faith with endurance, we must cast off the extra baggage we are carrying and fix our eyes on Jesus. So if you'd stand with me this morning in honor of God's word, we're going to read this text together. I'm going to read, I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2 in Hebrews chapter 12. And then we're going to pray asking God that he would speak clearly to us this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning and we think about this question, where are our eyes fixed? We recognize that so often our gaze is fixed upon the very things that it shouldn't be. And we lose sight of you. And so I pray this morning you would bring those things to mind as we wrestle with that internally. As we wrestle with that as your church. That we would be able to identify and say, God, this is this has my focus. And that you would be able to draw out of us the reason why our eyes should remain fixed on you consistently day after day. We commit this time to you for your glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, as an overview to the book of Hebrews, it's important that we understand a little bit about this letter in order for us to accurately interpret what it's talking about. Now, there's a lot of speculation when it comes to the book of Hebrews, just in the sense that it's unclear who the author is. Of course, when we look at Paul's epistles or the Gospels, we recognize pretty clearly who penned these words. And so, even though there's some speculation in here, it's, we have to be careful because sometimes it becomes really easy for us to get so caught up in speculation that we completely miss the message. We completely miss the truth behind everything that's stated in this letter. And if we truly believe that God's word is breathed out by him, that it's breathed out, all scripture is God breathed. If we believe that, then we recognize that God's the one who authored scripture and we can approach this with confidence, knowing I can learn something here. I can grow. Now, one thing that is clear is who this audience is, who are the people that are receiving this letter? And as we look through the beginning portions of Hebrews, we recognize that these readers are second generation believers. And if you want to look at this with me, flip back, put your finger at Hebrews 12 and just flip back to Hebrews chapter 2 real quick. So we can see this together. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3. I'm going to show you a couple different passages where we can determine who this audience is and accurately interpret uh, Kind of where they were at. Chapter 2 verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So this is really neat. Because it shows us that these people were the recipients of the passed down truth that was spoken from Jesus himself. These are the recipients, the second generation of believers. Their first generation would have heard directly from the mouth of Christ what this truth was. And now these people are the recipients of that now, to look at another one, if you flip just the page to, or maybe it's right there, chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle high priest of our confession. Okay? You who share in a heavenly calling. Very intentional about his wording there. And then if you go back clear to the end in chapter 13, verse 22, one more place for you to see this. Chapter 
chapter 13, verse 22. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. Bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. And then he references Timothy and continues to close out his letter from there. So what I want to get you to see, what I want to clarify in this is we understand it's first important for us to understand who is this written to? What are the circumstances they're dealing with? And then what can I learn? What can I glean from? What can I grow in according to God's truth, according to what he's speaking specifically to this group of people? And what can I what can I learn from that? Now, if you've ever read through the book of Hebrews, what you'll find is these people were struggling. These people were encountering a difficulty, a persecution within their faith. And their response was, maybe we should just go back to Judaism. Maybe we should just return to the way that things used to be. Maybe we should go back to the sacrificial system and, and the law and we, we, we know this stuff. And, and when, when we were living in that, man, we didn't have this kind of persecution. We didn't, we didn't face this intensive challenges. And so the purpose of Hebrews, the purpose of this letter is to encourage those readers, many of whom seem to be tempted to ditch their faith. To encourage them in their walk with Christ, to remind them of who Jesus is. And the author consistently emphasizes the power and the work of Jesus with a focal point of our faith. For these readers, enduring seemed to become more and more difficult as they fixed their eyes on what was around them. And they saw the hurt. And they saw pain. Maybe even damaged relationships and homes. How appealing it must have seemed to just return to what had been. To go back to what was culturally accepted and relevant. And comfortable. Now, even in that point there, many of us can resonate with that. Maybe we've encountered difficulty or fear when it comes to being authentic in our faith. When it comes to actually leaving this place and putting into action what we've grown and learned here. And in many ways, it's a lot easier. And many of you would would probably recognize, yeah, it's way easier for me to just be a person outside of these walls and I come and I'm a follower of Jesus here where I know it's safe. And in this context, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging these people. He's saying, wait, don't forget this truth that we've inherited. Don't forget where we've come from. Don't forget the power that exists within the person of Jesus. Leading us not only to ask the question, where are my eyes fixed, but how do we endure faithfully? So this morning, I want to give us three, look at three specific action points that the author of Hebrews gives in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that we can learn from and apply today when it comes to where are my eyes fixed? How do I really endure with my eyes fixed where they should be? Okay? Three specific points. The first one of those 
is we have to recognize that we have a heritage of witnesses. We have to recognize that we have a heritage of witnesses. Look with me at verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Now, It could be confusing when we look at this because at first glance we might assume that this concept of witnesses is talking about everyone outside of these walls that's watching us. Now while there's validity in that and it's valid, in fact I grew up, my mom always emphasized someone is always watching you. And that wasn't, that, that's not a creepy statement. That is just to say no matter where you're at or what you're doing, or what situation you're in, someone is always watching how you respond. That's a true statement, and we could learn that biblically and and talk about that from Scripture. However, what this is referring to is it's referring back to what the author has just written about in Hebrews chapter 11. And in fact, one of the most fruitful ways for us to read Scripture sometimes is to get rid of the chapters and the verses and just read the whole letter. And if you've ever had the opportunity to do that, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, I encourage you to get a reader's Bible and open up to some of these letters and just start reading. And all of a sudden you see how this all ties together where sometimes we make cuts and divisions in this. And what he's really referring back to, and we can recognize that by the word therefore, this is not the beginning of a thought. This is jumping in mid-letter and a question we are always taught to ask at Moody, and some of you have, have, been, have heard this before, but when you come to word therefore, you had to ask the question, what is it therefore, okay? It's a good practical question to remind yourself of when you're in your personal study and you come across that word. And so if we look back at Hebrews chapter 11, what is it that this passage in Hebrews 11 is most known for? What is, what is the subject in that passage? Faith, okay? And as you look through that, this is at the beginning of chapter 11 is where we often reference people for the definition of what faith is. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things unseen. Okay? And then the author goes into this whole list of people that embodied what it meant to live by faith. And he follows that and he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us do these things. And what's interesting about this is the word, the the actual Greek word for witnesses here is the plural form of the Greek word martus, which is where we get our word martyr. And so what this comes back to and refers to is individuals who have walked consistently in their lives, modeling what it looks like to live by faith. Now, if you look through this list in Hebrews 11, you could easily recognize, wow, there were a lot of imperfect people in this list. And there should be. Because the only perfect human who walked this earth was Jesus himself. And yet, we would be foolish to consider all of those that we see not only in Scripture, but maybe even from our own past, 
who we look back on and say, they embodied what it meant to live by faith. To walk by faith. And as we think about even back to Hebrews chapter 2, where the author is encouraging, don't, don't forget that this is a salvation, that uh, this is a gospel message that has been passed down from the people who are directly from the mouth of Jesus. Don't lose sight of those who have embodied this, who've walked it. This isn't just something that has been spoken to you and then you're left to hang out to dry. It's been modeled. It's been lived out. It's been shown. And so there's an aspect of this where they're going, may we follow that same example that's been embodied to us by all of these people that have just been mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. They chose to live by faith. They are witnesses or living testimonies of God's faithfulness and fulfillment of His promises. You see, it brings our focus back to where it should be. Where my eyes really should be fixed. Who are the people in Scripture, and even more recently, who we can look back at so that we can endure moving forward? To remind ourselves that this is a faith worth fighting for, worth acting in, worth living out, to remain steadfast and true to what we know to be true, instead of falling back into what's comfortable and what might seem culturally more accepted. For it to become radical in our lives and transform who we are, and look back when we're doubting that and go, man, I remember the people who lived this. Remember, recognize that we have a heritage of witnesses. Number two, lay aside the extra baggage you are lugging around. Now, I ask, uh, I ask Kyle, my brother, to come up here and help me a minute. This is another thing I love. I love using props because I love visuals. Okay? So Kyle's going to come up. Come up here, Kyle. Uh, okay. So, you're going to do what you're not supposed to do. You're going to lug, put this on your back. All right? This is going to represent the weight that you're choosing to lug around. Why did you do this to yourself? Okay, stand there a minute. Now, the reality of this being, all those things that we choose to fix our eyes on, it's already heavy, isn't it? All these things we choose to fix our eyes on, no matter how big or small it is, every little bit that we decide to pack in here, is going to make it worse. Okay? Try not to fall over. And sometimes things are a little bigger than others. And now you're really struggling. Now, I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to let you take it off. How would you like to run a marathon right now? I wouldn't run a marathon without you. Well, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) But if your life depended on it, if you're like, all right, I'm going to let you take this off. Yeah. But this is, all right, before you do that, before you do that, try and lug this thing across the stage and see how difficult it is for you to do. Okay? Just, just as an illustration of this. Okay? Yeah, it looks hard. Even as, as strong as you are, Kyle, it still looks hard. Okay? All right. So thank you. Thank you for illustrating this. Okay? But the reality of this being, the reality of this being, 
whether we recognize it or not, many of us are lugging that around. And we put that on our back, and we just get through life, and we hide it. We hide it really well, so that when someone asks us, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. And yet we're standing there going, I'm really not doing good. And yet, how in the world are we supposed to endure and persevere in a culture where things are continually being forced towards us and we're going, man, I don't know if I could continue to walk this walk of faith that I've been called to. I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could keep lugging this around. And what we don't realize is so often where we fixed our eyes is on the very things that we've put on ourselves. The things that God has not called us to. He said, I'm not asking you to deal with this. I'm asking you to faithfully follow and trust me. And we lug this around and we pile more in it or we let other people pile more in it. And we trudge along. And then we come to a passage like this that says, you need to run with endurance. And we're feeling like, I can't even walk. I can't even get out of my chair right now without feeling this weight that I'm carrying around with me. And you know what? Whether we see it or not, there is a lot of people in our communities who are lugging around that weight and they don't know that there's hope. They don't know that someone came that they might have life and freedom. And that's why God set the church in a place where there's people who need that. But, before we can adequately describe that and reveal that to people, we've got to believe it for ourselves. To be able to know, wait a minute, this weight I'm lugging around, this sin that I'm just continuing in and carrying in is not what God has for me. This is not His desire. This is not what He's called me to. Let us lay aside every weight. In the NIV, I think it says, let us cast off. Cast this off. Throw it out. And I know, I recognize fully, this, that is way easier said than done. Some of you have experienced things in your life that you cannot just walk away from. But are you pursuing healing? Or have you just accepted that this is life? I'm just going to have this backpack on my back the rest of my life. It doesn't have to be the way it is. And there's a call here. There's a call to lay this off and run with endurance. In fact, if you were to talk to someone who actually runs a marathon, they're not training for a marathon and then packing a bunch of weight on them. In fact, it's the opposite. They get super light shoes. They get light clothing. They, they want as minimal as possible because you start adding weight. And it gets a lot harder. It gets a lot harder. Now, this is not a call to laziness. 
It's not a call to unload everything and just sit back and go, life is good. It's a call to effectiveness and resourcefulness. A call to rid ourselves of those things that distract us from what our true focus should be. What is the thing or things that take the most of your time, your worry, your resources, and your focus? You want to identify what you've loaded in your backpack. Identify those things. What are the thing or things that take the most of my time, my worry, my resources, and my focus? Are you carrying around unnecessary weight? You know, in 1 John chapter 1, a passage many could quote, there's a promise that if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's promised to take away the weight when we recognize that we have weight that I shouldn't be carrying around. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30, one of my favorite texts in Matthew, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not a call to laziness. It's just a call to lay down your yoke and pick up the one that Jesus has given you. The responsibility you have to live in light of the truth that you say you believe. Lay aside the extra, the extra baggage you are lugging around. So I've identified that since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside this extra stuff, get rid of it, cast it off, run with endurance. And thirdly, recognize who Jesus is. Look at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is at the core of everything else. That we believe. If we lose sight of who Jesus is, we lose sight of the very salvation that we're called to live in light of. If we lose sight of who Jesus is, we lose the perfect example given to us for how we should live. He didn't only author our faith, He perfected it. And for the joy that was set before him. Do you recognize what Jesus did? What he did for you and for me. Do you recognize what he endured, what he suffered? And in his prayer to God the Father, he agonized and longed, said, God, if there's any other way, 
but your will, not mine, be done. And he counted it as joy to be able to endure that people might have life. And he's the one, he's the example. (laughs) And so if we're going to embody that, if we're going to live this out, we have to come to a place where we recognize who Jesus is. And then I fix my eyes on him. I set my sights on who he is. I recognize, recognizing that Jesus embodied the very faith that we are called to have. One of complete and total devotion to God's will and plan. The kind of faith that allowed Jesus to say, your will be done. Recognizing that it is through his blood that we can now confidently enter into the presence of God. That's in Hebrews chapter 10. Recognizing that through Christ we receive the helper from God. And in Romans chapter 8 it says, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. What an amazing, powerful promise that through Christ we have the Helper and the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. If you ever question where you should find your strength and your power when you don't know where to turn and don't know what to do, that's where. Recognizing that Jesus stated that He is the only way to the Father. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not just the way, not just the truth, not just life, all three embodied in who Jesus is. Recognizing that Jesus endured all so that you might endure this. Do you see that? Do you recognize who Jesus is? So I ask you this morning, where are your eyes fixed? Where are your sights set? What are the things that have diverted your focus away from the power of the one who saved you? What's the unnecessary baggage that you're lugging around? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are going to help you rid yourself of that? Are you transparent about the baggage you're carrying around? Or do you hide it? How much longer are you trying to endure this by yourself before you recognize this is not what God's called me to? What's driving your decisions? Where are you turning for comfort? Are you more focused on the chaos around you or the one who promised that he is in control? You're in a transition stage as a church family. There's a lot of reasons you might have for 
being concerned about what the future holds. Maybe that's where your eyes are fixed. Maybe you've been here a long time and you're concerned about the direction the church is heading. Are your eyes fixed on that? Or are they fixed on the one who's promised to build his church? Maybe you're the other way and you're frustrated with where the church isn't going. Are you fixed on that? Or are your eyes fixed on the one who's promised to build his church? Whatever it is in your life, we've got to come back to this place and recognize that we've been called to freedom. We've been called to freedom in Christ, to no longer live in bondage, but to walk in freedom knowing that Jesus paid it all. As we sang earlier today, there's victory in Jesus. We can sing that all day long and not walk it and still carry around everything along with us. So as we close this morning, I want us to to look back at this passage. I'm going to read it one more time. And as I read it, I want you to read it along with me as a prayer. A prayer that we would embody and live out the very truths that this passage states. So church, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, may you lay aside, cast off every weight and sin that clings to you so closely And may you run with endurance the race that is set before you with your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross on your behalf, despising all shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, I exhort you to run with endurance and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Heavenly Father, as we think about this and we process this, Lord, this is a intense challenge that continues week after week, day after day, that we would keep our eyes fixed on who you are and what you have promised. Thank you for reminding us that you sent us a Savior who embodied the very thing you've called us to be and to do. So let us go out from this place and live it, casting off all of the extra baggage and weight that we've put on ourselves and running with endurance with our eyes fixed on the one who's given us freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your week.